Hey, it is great to be here with you. My name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team, and just want to welcome you wherever you have assembled or gathered, be it in one of our locations spread throughout northwest Georgia and the Tennessee Valley, or maybe you're in your living room watching this on your TV or on your mobile device. However you're here, you're not here by accident. We thank you so much for being here. Got an amazing day today. You're not here by accident, and God's got something for you today. Hey, I just want to read a quote that I found Early on in this uh, pandemic dilemma, when just in various conversations and some of my various roles, and, and this quote really stuck with me. It's from Norman Vincent Peale. He says this, become, and he, he invents a word, okay? This is okay. He become a possibilitarian, a possibilitarian. No matter how dark things seem to be or actually are, raise your sights and see possibilities. Always see them for they're always there. And, and I think all of us could say we've experienced or we know people who have experienced darkness, problems, right? Especially in this season. We know people, we are those people who have experienced that. But this is a, a, a quote of hope. This is a quote that, hey, even in this, there's some possibilities. And so my prayer for all of us this weekend is that God would give us all eyes to see the possibilities, that God would let us all become, for His name, for His glory, possibilitarians. All campuses, however you're watching, would you pray with me? God, thank you for everybody that's tuning in, everybody that's here today. They're not here by accident. And God, we confess we've, we, in some ways we might have lost our way, in some ways, the problems we face are bigger than the possibilities that you have created. And I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, you'd give every person listening, watching, engaging here right now, give us eyes, God, to see the possibilities that you are providing in such a time as this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn them on or open them up. We're going to be in the book of Acts, which it tells us kind of how the church got started and how Christianity went from being regional and it really in one location to being a global movement of, of hope and purpose and salvation for all peoples, all nations. So we're in Acts chapter 8. And we're going to start reading at the very beginning of verse 1. And the church is, have, is facing a problem. And the problem is persecution. So Stephen was just martyred. He was the first Christian martyr in Acts chapter 7. We get that story. A guy named Saul is present, and he agreed with putting Stephen, putting him to death. And on that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. At this time, the church is centered in Jerusalem. Christianity hasn't spread. It's really right there in that urban center. And persecution against Christians breaks out. And it says, here's what happened as a consequence, all except the apostles. So the apostles were the leaders who studied under and walked with, did life with Jesus. So all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Now, here's the crazy thing. And Saul was ravaging the church. He's an instrument of persecution. Later, he becomes a Christian. Amazing story. He would enter house after house, drag off men and women, and put them 
into prison. So in, in this, we see there's two problems that are implied or stated outright in the text. The problem of persecution and all of these new Christians are now scattered into different areas, into a different region, and they go without their leadership, without the apostles, because Luke tells us, Luke who wrote Acts, all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. So the question is, what's the possibility? If we're, if we're trying and praying to be possibilitarians, what's the possibility that goes on in the text here? Well, Luke gives us two hints. Two hints so we can see the possibilities. A little bit of a cliffhanger because, you know, you read this and then you read about Saul who's ravaging the church and people are being put in prison. You're like, man, the church is going to die. This fledgling movement is going to cease. It's going to stop. But Luke gives us two hints. And the two hints are this. This word scattered is the same little Greek word that we get our word seed from. Now, what does seed have? Has life in it, right? Has potential. That if you scatter seed, something can grow. So if you get seed out of the container, out of the little bag or whatever it comes in, and you get it out, something is possible because of seed. So that's number one. Now the second thing that Luke does is he quotes almost verbatim in this little phrase here throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. He quotes almost verbatim Acts 1.8. And Acts 1.8 gives us the whole framework for the book of Acts. And this is Jesus talking. He says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where the church was located. It was the ground zero. It was the epicenter. But also you're going to be my witnesses in all of Judea and Samaria, which we just read in Acts 8, and to the ends of the earth. So the possibility is that if we can get the church scattered out of Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria and eventually to the ends of the earth, there's a possibility of the gospel of being a witness to Jesus Christ, of a rapid global expansion of Jesus Christ. And so the beautiful possibility that begins to emerge, and it emerges out of the problem, right? Out of the problem of persecution is this. The problem creates the possibility for God's purpose to advance. Now, that's amazing because all of us are we're so trained that, hey, the problem is going to impede. The problem is going to prevent. The problem is going to take away. The problem is going to rob. In God's economy with God as sovereign and amazing and all powerful that he is, the problem is going to create the possibility for the Acts 1-8 promise to come to fruition. So what happens in verse eight? We, uh, verse 4, we begin to see what happens. So those who were scattered and take with them potential, take with them possibility, went on their way. And what did they do? Preaching the word. Now, now I, I think it would have been so easy, right, for them, for it to say, for it to go on, and it, for it to say, hey, they, they went on their way and they were questioning God, they were doubting God, they were confused by God. They don't, it doesn't say that. It says they went on their way preaching the word, being witnesses to what Jesus had done in them and for them and who Jesus was or is for the world. So they were scattered, potential, went on their way preaching the word. Philip, we zero in now on a specific person who was scattered. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. So the, now not only are we leaving Ju Jerusalem, but we're now we're spreading to a different race or a different ethnicity. And the gospel is for all people. So we 
see that happening as the Messiah is preached to them. The story continues. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said. He's speaking about Jesus. He's bearing witness to Jesus. As they listened and saw the signs that he was doing, the miracles, the acts of love and service that he was performing. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and who were lame were healed. And look at this, Rockbridge. And I want you to think about this for Cleveland, for Hickson, for Ringgold, for Dalton, for Chatsworth, for Calhoun. Look at this. So there was great joy in that city. The persecution created the possibility for the promise of God to move forward. And there were people in Judea and Samaria that would not have experienced the gracious supernatural joy of God had God not pushed his church providentially and sovereignly through a problem outside of Jerusalem. When they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, the name for salvation, both men and women were baptized. They went public and they aligned themselves with Christ as their Savior. They gave Jesus the steering wheel of their lives. And there was great joy in that city. Would we not all in all of our physical locations begin to pray, God, because of us, may there be great joy in Calhoun, Chatsworth, Dalton, Ringgold, Cleveland, Hickson, and to the ends of the earth. Now, in this passage, there's a pattern that emerges, and it's that pattern that I want to pray and encourage us all to cooperate with. There's this pattern of possibility moving into reality. Here's the pattern. The first thing we see is this. Seeing the possibilities requires us to believe God's promises. Seeing the possibilities requires us to believe God's promises. And I wrote this down. I want everybody to hear me. I wrote this down. The promises God makes are always greater than the problems he allows. The promises God makes are always greater than the problems he allows. And you will never encounter a problem that there is not a greater than promise from God for you that's yes in Christ. I think there's a promise that our church can lean into in a season like this. And it's the promise of John 14, 12, where Jesus says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And he will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I am going to the Father. Now the works, and we see this happening in the book of Acts. As Jesus has ascended, we see the church going out. And doing greater works geographically, numerically, greater in scope and greater in quantity. And this promise applies to us. Why? Because if we believe in Christ and trust in him, then this promise applies to us. So the first part of the pattern is this. The possibilities that, we're, that we see before us to be possibilitarians requires us to believe the promises of God. The second part of the pattern is this. Believing the promises provides the power to make the possibility a reality. In other words, we have to believe first. To, then to re, in order to receive God's power, in order to receive God's best, in order to receive what God wants to do in us and what God wants to do through us. 
So it's, it's real easy for us to turn inward. It's real easy for us to be self-focused. It's real easy for us to be circumstantially focused. What we have to do is get our eyes on the promises of God and say, God, I am going to believe these promises and trust you to provide the power that will make something possible become a reality. Make this possibility turn into a reality. The reality is that the gospel can spread farther and faster because of a pandemic. Or, or because of an economic crisis, or because of something you didn't want, you didn't ask for, you didn't pray for, but God allowed it. But if you will believe here today that the promises God makes are always greater than the problems He allows, you will receive power to be a witness, to be a servant, to be a co-laborer with God. How else do we explain this movement called Christianity? In fact, Luke even says... Hey, the apostles didn't go out. They stayed in Jerusalem. So for everybody watching who wants to think, hey, I'm not a super Christian and I'm not a leader in the church or, you know, I, we got to trust the preacher people and the people like Matt or something. No, 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 no. Don't miss this word of God to you. What qualifies to be used by God is the fact that we're just going to take God at his word and believe for him for power and provision to turn possibilities into realities. So I just want to ask you a question, okay, as you think about being used by God. Instead of asking why God and when God and how come God, would you ask these questions? God, where, where are you seeking to take the gospel? Where are you seeking to share good news? God, where are you seeking to display sacrificial love? God, God where, where are you seeking to give supernatural joy? Not circumstantial joy, not the weather's great outside joy, you got paid on Friday joy, but supernatural joy, joy from God. Where's God seeking to do these kind of things? And then here's the fourth question. Now, where has God put you? Because I bet you, based on the authority of God's word, he's put you there to help answer these questions. Just like he put his church in Jerusalem under persecution so that people like Philip would scatter to places like Samaria so he could, what? Share the gospel, give sacrificial love, and that so an entire city could be filled with supernatural joy. So where has God put you? See, here's an unstoppable formula, church. The word of God plus the spirit of God plus the people of God. When those things are working together in harmony... Power is released, possibility, king, kingdom possibilities become everyday realities. Now, here's the, here's the challenge for us today. The only variable in the unstoppable formula is right here. Will we trust God, believe God, and become part of God's plan to take possibilities and turn them into kingdom realities? Now, the third part of the, pa third part of the pattern is this. Demonstration and declaration are powerful king, is a powerful kingdom strategy. Demonstration, showing people the love of Christ, showing people the power of God. Philip performed signs and wonders and served his city, served the city there in Samaria. And declaration of the death, burial, and crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Declaration is powerful kingdom strategy. And, and this is so much of what we try to do at Rockbridge where, through our hope initiatives and, and why we encourage you to build relationships with people in order to bring them closer to Christ, in order to bring them to a place where they might give Jesus Christ the steering wheel of their lives. So this is powerful, whether we're talking about uh, first century 
Jerusalem and Samaria, or we're talking about 21st century Tennessee and Northwest Georgia. This is a powerful, powerful biblical strategy. And so I want us to begin to renew our commitment to being a church that would offer hope to our six locations and even beyond that. That Hope is our acronym for local missions. The H stands for hurting people. The O stands for people outside the faith that don't know Christ. The P stands for poverty and people suffering from adverse poverty situations. And the E stands for education and how we might partner through to give people a quality education so they can reach their potential in, in this life. And let's imagine the potential and the possibilities that exist right now with just those of you watching and listening. What if we had more people in prayer, more people involved in hope? What if we had more people in the streets instead of in the seats? See, I think one of the possibilities in this time is as churches had to change and adapt and move to digital some and, on, and in person some, and some people aren't yet coming back to church. Some people may not come back to church, and, and that, is that a problem? No, it's a possibility because maybe God is less concerned about who's in the seats and more concerned about who's in the streets demonstrating and declaring his love to people. That's powerful, right? That's a possibility, right? In the book of Acts, there's 40 miracles, 40 miracles in the book of Acts. 39 of them occur outside of a church service. 39 occur outside. See the possibilities? See the possibilities? There's potential and possibility all around for every single one of us listening. Now, I, I just want to ask you real, real quick, when you think of church, what do you think about? So, yeah, so let's correct some paradigms. If we're going to see this possibility, we've got to get church right. Some people think a church is a cruise ship. I go there to hear what I want to hear from the pastor and from the singers or the choir, or the musicians. I want them to keep me comfortable, make sure my coffee's warm and nobody sits in my seat. That's a cruise ship mentality. And there's churches like that. There's so-called Christians who believe that's what church is. That's not what I see in Scripture. So, so let's get a little bit closer. Some people, you know, the church is a battleship. And I would say this is very, very close because the church is at war. And, and we've got a mission and we've got a strategy and we've got a captain and all those kind of things. But the thing about a battleship, the battleship has, a f has some big guns but only a few of them. And a lot of people think the church is run by and best and most effective when we use the big guns, you know, the heavy hitter kind of people, the people you watch on TV, the Billy Grahams, right, the apostles, right, they're the big guns. That's not what we see in Scripture, is it? Especially not after Acts chapter 8 when all the people were scattered except for the apostles. So the big guns were limited in their range and their scope. The big guns couldn't make the greater works come true and come to fruition, so maybe the church is more like an aircraft carrier, and each of you are like one of these airplanes, and you come to this aircraft carrier, and you get refueled, recharged, refreshed, and then redeployed to your neighborhood, to a hope expression, to a prayer team, to your job, to your family, and you carry with you the weapons of Christianity, the sacrificial love of Jesus, the good news of Christ crucified, buried and raised for us and instead of us. And then you come back in for your weekly worship and your daily time with God and you get refreshed and recharged and relaunched, redeployed back out into a world that needs what? The gospel. Needs what? The sacrificial love 
that Christ puts into our hearts that we give to other people that needs what? The supernatural joy of Jesus. There was great joy in that city. That is Rockbridge. That is Jesus' vision. That is the possibility that is here right now today. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray, and your campus pastors or your online pastor and hosts are going to come up, and they're going to share with you the possibilities that exist to bring in great joy to our cities in mobilizing our church to share the love of Christ, the gospel of Christ, and to give supernatural joy to the people and the places where God places us. Let's pray together. God, thank you for every person here. I pray right now in the strong name of Jesus, every person here would see the possibilities and would say, God, I want you to use me to bring kingdom possibilities into everyday realities. By your power, God, and for your glory. This we pray together in the name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen.